0: Welcome to Sunday Morning Live Fellowship. You are listening to the live Sunday morning broadcast with Sunday Morning Live with Pastor Denise Suttles. Now please turn with me please to Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. While you are locating our scripture passage in your Bible, let me say this, so many of us have this hidden desire like we always have it together there is this temptation that most of us face that we put on like a face that we've got no problems we've got no no areas where we're vulnerable we've got no failures we've got no skeletons in the closet and we fall into that temptation to put on this incredible front like we always have it together. When we do this, I feel that we miss the chance to share the incredible story of how God has worked in our lives. Instead of acting like we always have it together We should really learn how to embrace vulnerability. You know, the willingness to show emotions. The willingness to show our weaknesses. The willingness to allow other people see our failures. I don't know about you, but my natural instinct is to do quite the opposite. To keep my failures and my weaknesses and my vulnerabilities private. Rather than than letting people see who I really am, we keep people at arm's length. Beloved, it takes courage to be honest with ourselves. It takes courage to allow other people to see who we really are. With that in mind, let's turn to our scripture passage. Jonah chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message that I give you. Let us pray. Oh, God, we're so thankful that we can come to you, that the access that was closed is now open. And the way of opening was made open through your sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the ascension that allows us to come boldly before your throne. God, we're praying for those that have lost loved ones this week, our dear beloved Dennis that passed away, same age as I am, oh God. We're so glad that we know where he is, but we pray for his loved ones, oh God, in this loss. We pray for our community members that have also passed away. We pray for that one that has the brain tumor only seven years old and the tumor is growing. Lay your hands upon them, oh God, work a miracle. We pray for that one that is waiting For a heart transplant. God, we pray for little Octavius, God, now in the name of Jesus, that you will continue to heal his heart. Father, we pray for my dad who just entered into surgery. Father, we're praying for the anesthesiologist. We're praying for the surgeon. We're praying, oh God, that the complications will be remedied. Oh God, that you would, God, be in that room, even that doctor that says that you don't know him. Yes, you do. Show yourself, oh God, in that operating room. Guide the hands, oh God, of all the medical staff. Cause your light to show above that's greater than any surgical light. Keep him at peace, O God. We thank you, O God, and proclaim that divine healing will take place in the name of Jesus. And the doctors will know that it was you. Now, God, we pray for these words that have been prepared. Those that are going through struggles in their own lives, those that are trying to break habits, those, oh God, that have secret prayer requests on your throne. Father, we pray that you would answer and that you would work a miracle in their lives. We thank you, God. We pray for your servant this morning. Oh, God, let it be all of you and none of me. Oh, God, that you would get the glory in the name of Jesus. In Jesus name. Amen. Verse number one. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I would like to use for a topic this morning. What a difference a second can make. What a difference a second can make. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Old Testament minor prophet Jonah. You remember he was the prophet that God commanded to go northeast, but instead in a moment of rebellious weakness, Jonah went west to Tarshish. However, we can all learn a great deal from Jonah's failure and Jonah's weakness. Once God in his grace corrected this reluctant prophet, Jonah was able to continue the work that God had commanded him. This third chapter of the book of Jonah is also a reminder to us that a change of heart not only impacts us, but a personal revival impacts us. Our community as well. The revival does not just remain at you. It's not just for you. But God is coming to you a second time so that you can impact others, so that others can impact a community. So the second time the word of the Lord came to Jonah, he immediately Hmm, did what God commanded him to do. He preached with unquestioned obedience the second time. It wasn't like before when he went in the opposite direction that God had told him to do. The people of Nineveh were not praying for revival. That's where God told him to go. They were not even interested in God. They were a Horrid kind of people. As Jonah referred to them, they qualified as candidates for God's sovereign judgment rather than for God's sovereign mercy. But now on this second call from God to Jonah to go preach, now Jonah on this second call is broken and Jonah is humbled. What happened? Mm. It may have had something to do with being in the belly for three days and three nights. But that's only part of the story. I really want us to see who God uses. Jonah even said, you bring life out of death. So here, this broken, humbled prophet Here's the second call to go to Nineveh and proclaim the word of the Lord. So what I want to talk about, you know, we always talk about Jonah being in the well for three days and three nights. But what I want to focus on this morning, beloved, is that God uses us to proclaim his purposes after we have Failed. In other words, what failure produces in us as it relates to proclaiming the gospel message of mercy and grace to others can only be refined in failure. As we experience weakness, as we are brought down low, Christ's power is more evident in us. In other words, unless something comes into your life that breaks you of your self-righteousness, that breaks you of your pride, you may say you believe the gospel of grace, but honey, you are not a sign of the gospel of grace yourself until you have fallen and gotten up again. You don't have the grace of God working in you. You are not strength out of weakness kind of person yet until your pride has been disabled. If God is going to use you to change your community, God has first got to break you. And that is the point of this Old Testament prophet. Now let's look at it together. Not too long after the ministry of Elijah... And Elijah, another prophet came unto the scene in the northern kingdom of Israel during the rule of Jeroboam 2. His name was Jonah, and he came from an area near Nazareth. And the Bible says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up against me. But Jonah does not want to go to Nineveh because he knows God is a merciful God and will forgive the Ninevites. And Jonah can't stand the Ninevites because they are heathens. So Jonah heads in the opposite direction toward Tarsha on the other side of the Mediterranean Sea. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and the ship threatened to break up. When the other sailors found out that Jonah was fleeing from God, they were dismayed. But Jonah said, throw me overboard, and then the sea will be quiet for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Jonah realized what a fool he had been trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. How can you flee from the presence of the Lord who made the sea? How can you flee from the presence of the Lord that made the dry ground? The crew threw Jonah overboard and the storm ceased. Jonah began to sink in the water. The first thing that happened is not the appearance of a great fish or a whale to swallow Jonah. Before the fish came, Jonah cried out to God. Even though Jonah knew that he was guilty, even though he knew that he deserved death, even though he knew that he had been disobedient, Jonah still surrendered his life to the justice of God. And yet in that moment when death was imminent, Jonah remembered that the God whom he had served served So imperfectly was still gracious, was still merciful, was still slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repenting of evil. And the Lord appointed a great fish for Jonah's rescue. Jonah was conscious in the fish long enough to realize that God had saved him from drowning in the sea. And during that second of consciousness, Jonah began to pray. The Lord had mercy on this prophet and saved him miraculously in a belly's fish. The fish spit Jonah up on dry ground. And the Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and proclaim to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah goes and he walks through the city crying out. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. (coughs) He pronounces God's judgment on the city for his weakness, for their wickedness. (coughs) And much to Jonah's surprise, the people of Nineveh believe God. (coughs) And they and their king, they repent and turn from their evil ways. And the Bible says in verse 10 of chapter 3, when God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God repented of the evil which he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Isn't it amazing that God answers his children even when they cry out in distress? I think the text gives us some specific pointers to how and why God answers us when we call out in distress. First of all, beloved, God answers our cry of distress even when we are guilty. Jonah was not on his way to Nineveh when he fell overboard. Jonah was running from God. He was guilty of disobedience. That's why when he was in, that's why he was in the water in the first place. Some of you are in a troubled place right now precisely because of your own disobedience. And if you are wondering if there is hope, if you are wondering if God will have mercy on you. If you are wondering if God will hear your cry of distress, be encouraged. Beloved, Jonas' distress was the fruit of his guilt. God answered him and gave him a second chance. Number two, God answers us in spite of his judgment. Verse 3, for thou didst cast me into the deep. Mm, That was the judgment. But Jonah ventured to pray for deliverance from the very God who threw him overboard. And the God that threw him overboard heard his prayer and performed a miracle to save him. Even When God is displeased with us, mm, he never brings us into affliction just for the sake of punishment. God's purposes are always including redemption. Beloved, God wants to deliver us. He wants to save us. I know I'm right. Job 36 and 15 said, God delivers the afflicted by their affliction and opens their ear by adversity. Adversity is your redemption. It's not just punishment, God wants to redeem you. Even if you have felt as though the very hand of God is against you in your distress, call upon the name of the Lord. Repent and God will answer you. Number three, God answers us and delivers us from impossible circumstances. Verse five and six describe the extremity of Jonah's plight. The waters closed over me. The deep was all around me. This is a terrifying scene. God let the circumstances become impossible before he delivered Jonah. I don't know why exactly, but it seems like in the Christian life that distress. And troubles come in batches. They don't get spaced out, you know, in proportion where we have the power to cope. It seems as though they come in batches. Often circumstances develop to the point where we can't see any way out. It seems like those we need to remember in Jonah's situation. It was impossible. But not with God. When we cry out to the Lord in our distress, he answers us and delivers us from all of our impossible situations. And number four, God always answers us in the very nick of time. Verse 7 says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to thee into thy holy temple. In other words, Jonah never stopped praying. Jonah never stopped repenting. Mm. He looked to God. Uh, Saints, don't stop praying whatever you're going through. Don't stop crying out to God whatever your circumstances look like. What Jonah was going through, he kept on praying from the belly of a whale. And number five, God answers our prayers and cries of distress. Listen to me. In stages, Mm. the stages may not be comfortable. Mm. We must get out of our head that it's all or nothing with answered prayer. Mm. We can be fairly sure that when Jonah cried out to God, he did not say, Oh God, put me in the belly of a whale for three days. But God's answer came in stages. The belly of a fish hardly seems like deliverance, but it was better than the bottom of an ocean. Jonah is granted enough consciousness to realize that he has been rescued from drowning. And that rescue gave Jonah hope. He d- dare not complain about the, his surroundings. He accepts God's first stage of salvation as a guarantee that God would finish the work that he had started. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Don't get discouraged because God has not fully answered your prayer yet. If he chooses to save you in stages, tell God thank you. If he chooses to heal you in stages, tell God thank you. God has his own time frame and we just need to be grateful for any improvement in our condition. As I said, a fish's belly is better than being at the bottom of an ocean in seaweed. God sometimes answers us in stages and it may not be comfortable. Number six, God answers our cry of distress in order to win our undivided loyalty and thanksgiving verse 8 and 9 show how a prayer to God after deliverance should end Mm, it should end with thanksgiving beloved have you given up on what God has called you to do God is the God of second chances the message that God has given you to give to your community The work that God has given you to do. Amen. He has been refining your message through your failure. There is a community that can relate to you because you know firsthand what mercy is. You know firsthand what forgiveness is because you have been forgiven. God has given you a message of love and mercy. So here is our next point regarding Ministry after failure and how our message is refined by failure. God answers us in our guilty distress to help us become more merciful like he is. So how do we show mercy to others? We have already established mercy comes from a heart that has fallen down into spiritual bankruptcy. A heart that has come to grieve from its own sin. A heart that has learned humility for God's timing in our time of need. Mercy is produced in a broken and humble heart and a soul that hungers and thirsts after God. In other words, mercy can only come from mercy. The ministry of mercy to others comes from God's mercy to us. Mercy can only come from broken people. Broken people know that we owe everything we are and ever hope to be to nothing but the divine mercy of God. If you have failed and received mercy, there is a community that is depending upon you to minister to them regarding their sin. See, Christians like to hide. Christians like to hide in churches. Christians like to avoid sinners. But there is someone that is waiting to hear your message of salvation. We need to get out of our churches and show compassion to a dying world and encourage them and let them know that God loves them. In order for us to do that, though, we must first see the misery of sin through God's eyes. Mercy offers forgiveness, which doesn't necessarily mean that our sins will be gone. We are not the ones who judge a person's Sins that, that, that may bring consequences. God is the judge. What God wants us to do is show mercy. God wants us to forgive. God wants us to pray for reconciliation. Even if the offender has offended you and everything is their fault, God still wants us to to show mercy, and to pray for reconciliation. Forgiveness on our part is the process of replacing hurt and resentment with compassion. Mercy is not limited to those who have wronged us. We can be a vessel of God's mercy to all of those that are longing for spiritual healing. We may not know the exact needs of the people that we are ministering to. We may not understand their internal struggles of those that are around us. Yet, we must begin again and get in the habit of showing acts of kindness. We must get in the habit of saying encouraging words that build other people up. Or simply listening to someone is a way to show compassion. Beloved, begin again. Have you witnessed to anyone today? Have you ministered to the people around you in need of compassion? And finally, yes, I'm almost done. And finally, Romans 12 and one says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Before we can show mercy, we are called to a life of of worship. You cannot be a merciful person if in and through all your deeds of mercy, you are not worshiping Jesus Christ. In other words, you are drawing attention to yourself. We show mercy when we point a person to the Savior. Mercy is from God through his son jesus christ and if you are not making a big deal out of jesus if you are not delighting in jesus christ if jesus is not your treasure then you are unable to display mercy to another person in order that they might find christ because we cannot be merciful without christ It is not merciful to make people more comfortable on their way to hell. The comfort we are providing as caretakers or whatever it is that we do is designed to display Jesus. If Jesus in worshiping him is not the source and the goal, then we are not a merciful person. We're putting a Band-Aid on a cancer, and nobody's going to call that mercy. Through worship, lost people are drawn to Christ. And at the same time, believers feel the tug, the urge, the compelling force of God to tell others about Him when we worship Him. Beloved, lay aside your troubles Lay aside your anxieties, lay aside your fear and your cares, and celebrate God's gift of mercy and grace. Worshippers don't just enjoy God's wonderful pl- presence for themselves. Worshipers will invite others to come into God's presence. One of the great lessons of Jonah's failure and forgiveness is that God can continue to use those who return to him. Thankfully, we serve the God of a second chance. It is time for you, beloved, to begin again. God wants us to extend mercy to others. God wants us to extend second chances to others. The story of Jonah has many lessons in it, and of itself, the story is bigger than what we see. In other words, it's more than about deliverance. It's more than about a great big fish. This story points to the story of Jesus. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a great fish, Jesus was crucified and placed in the grave only to be resurrected on the third day. This is the miracle of miracles. The miracle of God's gracious act of mercy to us through the sending of his son, Jesus Christ, to die and take our place on Calvary's cross. And the Bible says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give you. Message. What message has God put in your mouth? What message has God given you to give? What act of mercy can you show those around you? How can you proclaim the gospel everywhere that you go? Mercy. God wants to us to show this world mercy. If you have not repented of your sins, if you have not asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do so right now by praying this simple prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I have done many things that don't please you. I have lived my life for myself only. I am sorry and I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I believe that you died on the cross for me to save me from what I could not do for myself. I give my life to you now. Take control of my life from this day forward. I give my life to you. Help me to live my life in a way that pleases you. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, we invite you to call us at 231-349-1046 so we can discuss with you the first steps of salvation. God bless you, beloved. You can take your phone off mute and tell everyone goodbye. Awesome. Take care, God bless you. I love you. Keep us all in prayer, please. Love you. All right, we're praying for your mom, Judy. God bless you. Praise God, Sandy. Hallelujah. He can get. He can get it on the podcast if y'all can get an internet signal. Bless you. Uh, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, and I'll yeah, send an update yeah. out. God bless you. How's your mom doing, Judy? Ooh! Hallelujah. Amen. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. For today. God bless you. All right, Nancy, can you do the countdown? <laughs> or you want me to make myself? Oh, Here we go. All right. Peace. God bless you. I love you. Bye-bye.